Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. What happens in any relationship when one of the partners takes the other for granted? Maybe you've experienced this with a friend or a family member. It can even happen in the context of our workplace. But what would happen if you applied this in a broader context, like the church? Today, Pastor Jim uses specific verses from the Bible that speak to the heart of this issue. There is a church that looks good on the outside, but God sees emptiness where there should be love for the one who saves. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Revelation chapter 2 as he continues his message, Where is the Love? Now, the fact that Jesus is amongst us, for some of us, that is very comforting. For some of us, that is very challenging. For some of us, that is very convicting. I mean, we don't really know what to make of that. So why does Jesus hold our church in his hand? And why does Jesus walk among us? I must have stared out my room for like a half hour, just uh, the window of my room, just at home, just like, like, why, why? And the only thing I can come up with, the only thing I can conclude is Jesus wants to bring all of us as individuals and as a church closer to him. So that's number one, the Christ. Number two, the commendation, the commendation. So first off, Jesus really starts them in what's going well in their church. It's not all problems here. In your Bible headings, it says the loveless church, and you're thinking, this is, this is not going to be good. But there's some really good stuff going on. I'm going to interrupt the verses because we read them through already. Verse 2 says, Jesus says, I know your works. Some version says, I know your deeds, your labor, your patience. Some versions say your endurance or your perseverance, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You can't tolerate evil in your midst. You don't, you don't want any part of it. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. You listened to them, you vetted them out, you said they were false. Every once in a while, a guy will show up here and go, a God called me to preach in your church this morning. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, he did. And I'm like, hmm, when he tells me, I'll put you up there. You know, one guy went outside the door and he's wiped his feet from our church. And I was like, oh, thanks for using the mat. I appreciate it. <laughs> you got mud on your shoe. But yeah, so they got rid of the people who were liars or false prophets. Verse three, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored, some versions say endured hardship for my name's sake and have not become weary. So what he says here is very good. He says, you guys have sacrificed for the work of the Lord. Now, if you wonder, have you sacrificed for the work of the Lord? It is very easy to determine. All you need to do is you need to look at your schedule. You need to look at your budget. You need to look at how you do your job, how you are as a student. You need to look at your priorities. These are all things that reflect your faith. And so here we see with these people, some of them are doing well. Some of them are not, but some of them are doing well. Some of you are doing very, very well at this. And the word labor carries the idea of giving all you can to the faith. In other words, you approach every day with leaving nothing on the field, as we say in athletics. You're just gonna, just gonna get out there, you're gonna serve God, and especially when things are hard. Even when it gets hard, you are not gonna give up. You're gonna keep at it, 
You're going to stay with it. You're going you're gonna to press on. And it says they persevered or they endured. In this sense, they would not give in to the culture. They would not give in to all the ideas. They would not give in to all the pressures. And they knew that nothing escaped God's eyes. They knew that nothing escaped Jesus' eyes. Nor did they allow all the false teaching that's out there into their church. People would bring false teaching into the church and they would deal with it or they would talk to people about it. And the false and destructive leaders and liars, they had to go. They had to go. Now, short term, it's easier to just tolerate that kind of stuff, isn't it? But long term, you can do great damage to the church. And so what were they doing? Jesus was watching out for the church and they were watching out for the church, just as Jesus would have them to do it. Now, so this church would be what we would call orthodox. What does that mean? They were a theologically well-taught church, okay? This is something that I shoot for all the time, week in and week out, that this would be one of the best-taught churches in the area. I wish more people were wanted to be that way, but a lot of the guys don't want to be that way. That's their thing. But, and they were a well-taught church, always serving the Lord, And then he says to them, you didn't even grow weary. You were staying at it. So we would say they were devoted to their faith. And loved ones, I have to tell you this, without your devotion, without my devotion, without the devotion of all of us, we will go nowhere as a church. We will be stuck in neutral or going backwards. We will not make a difference in this world. Now, this is high praise that Jesus is giving them. There's not many followers of Jesus like this. There's not many churches like this. Really, the Bible tells us that we are to bear with the weak, but not with the false. They seem to have the tension right. Not an easy thing to do. And so this is an awesome church, at least on the outside. But Jesus, who looks into our hearts, has number three, a complaint. He's got a complaint. He says this, verse four, nevertheless, I have or I hold this against you. Let's just stop right there. He says, you're doing some stuff really good, but I got something against you. And he kind of zings them. And basically he says to them, this is what I see. As I walk through your church, as I walk around your church in Ephesus, this is what I see. Well taught. Serving well. People would come and they would think, this place has it together. But let me tell you that I see something that is unseen. This is what I see. Or actually, maybe let me put it to you this way, this is what I don't see. So he says, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Another version says, you have abandoned the love you had at first. At the end of the day, no matter what you and I say about our church, what matters is what? What Jesus says about our church. That's what matters. And here he asks, with all the learning that you're doing, and that is very important, we must love within the context of the word of God. But his question is this, How do we love God and how do we love people? 
That's the question. That's what he's looking at. That's what he's zoning on. In other words, all the Bible teaching, is it having an effect on your heart? I know it's having an effect on your brain, but is it having an effect on your heart? Their hands are busy. They are about the work of the ministry. Their heads are full of knowledge. They know a lot of Bible. Their wallets are open. They're willing to share with others. All these things are necessary, but Jesus says, this is the problem. I don't see a lot of heart. I don't see a lot of love. I see something that's just missing. Now, to grow a church years ago, this is what they used to tell you to do. When you're a pastor, you get all this stuff in the mail. It's ridiculous. It's like, what do they even bother me for? They would tell you, you want to grow a church, you have to have lots of events and lots of activities. You got to keep the people busy. If you keep the people busy, they'll keep coming back. Okay. Then now it says, and then, then they said, you got to preach to their felt needs. So I got to keep you busy, keep you coming back, keep full of activities, and preach about you. Does that sound like church? That doesn't sound like church to me at all. Now they say, what you have to do is you have to provide the experience. The experience. Or you just got to preach about politics. Okay? So that's what you got to do now to grow a church. So if that's what you're looking for, I'm be honest with you, you're in the wrong place. And I don't mean that to be a jerk. You're like, we well, you are a jerk, Pastor Jim. I know I'm a jerk, but that's not what I'm trying to do. Okay? Because that's not what we are about. That's not what we are about. More busy church stuff without being motivated by the grace of God, without being motivated by the love of God because of the love that Jesus has towards us. When we respond to the love that Jesus has towards us, what will our response be? To start loving others because of Jesus' love. And it's less often apparent in a lot of places than we'd like it to be. Now, people debate, is this the love for Jesus or for the people of God? Now, maybe it's me, but I don't even understand how you separate them. I know most people, you know, it changes over time what people think, but our theme verses for our community groups are John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus says, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, Jesus said this at the Last Supper. We've been traveling with the apostles. They were always fighting with each other. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Him, <laughs> right? Like, like the greatest was walking with you when you think it's one of you guys. So I don't know how you separate them. Jesus says, listen, if you want people to know if you're really my followers, they're just gonna watch how you are with each other. That's gonna tell them. 1 John 4, 20 through 21. If someone says, I love God and he hates his brother, he is a liar. Hmm, what does that mean? Any of you find that difficult to understand? No. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, here it is, that he who loves God must love his brother also. You know what we've done in America? 
we have jobbed that responsibility out to the clergy. The the pastor, the clergy, the priests, the nuns, the rabbis, they're all supposed to love everybody. We just do our thing. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about. A church full of loving people will make such an impact on the world that you're just welcoming people. You know, we talk about being a welcoming or a friendly church. Yeah, we can, be, we can be friendly with each other, but how are we with people we don't know? How are we with people that we know we've seen them in church for years and we've never actually even spoken to them? Very important things to think about. And this is not always the easiest balance for a church to maintain. In verse two, what did he say? He praised them for not tolerating wickedness. But then we also have to be loving. You see, this explains the problem that we have in a lot of churches today is that if you don't hold the Lord and his word high, you will be much too tolerant. Anything will go. Anything will go. You want to have four wives? Fine. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't want that to be a clip. Don't put that on TikTok or something like that. <laughs> I won't be your pastor much longer, right? But that's what happens is you just become too tolerant. But the other side of the coin is this. If you're too stringent, you will look at everybody suspiciously. And then what happens? You become loveless. You know how the expression is trust is earned? I realize that pastoring a church, the best thing for me to do is to have trust is unearned. Is just to generally trust people within limits. You don't get close to our kids. That takes a while. But trust people until they show you that they can't be trusted, right? Again, there's always limits on everything like that, but you don't want to be just so suspicious of everybody who walks in the door, like you're wicked, right? Well, of course you're wicked. We're all wicked, right? But we want to be really, really careful of some of these things. The reality is serving the Lord without love And let me put an asterisk on this. Love as found in the word of God is not really serving the Lord. It's flawed. It's deficient. And if that's the way you serve God with that suspicious nature, you will begin to lack devotion to God. That will be followed by a lack of gracious spirit towards others. No matter how long you have been a follower of Jesus, some of you are brand new. Some of you have been followers of Jesus a long time. A true faith is seen in love for God and love for others now. Now. Not 10 years ago. Not 15 years ago. Not in my case, 35 years ago. I became a Christian when I was seven. None of you believe that I'm 42? (laughs) But how important it is that we ask ourselves, how is my love for God now? How is my love for people now? This is the question I constantly ask myself. Am I growing or am I slowing? Because I'm, uh, there's, I don't really even think it's possible for me to remain in neutral. I think I'm either moving forward or I'm moving backwards. And the only way I move forward is what? Is, is to put my affections upon Jesus Christ. To look at that cross and go, that should have been me. That should have been me. And draw my affections, my heart to Jesus. That's the only way that I know how to do it. And so we want to be constantly assessing ourselves. 
You see, if your love for God and for people is fading, you may find yourself in for a long, tough ride. It can be very, very difficult. And when you are continually just obeying God out of duty instead of love, that's going to be really hard to maintain. That's a hard thing to stay at year after year after year. Jesus predicted this before his return. He said this, Matthew 24, 12, and because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. When you are not obeying God, it is hard for you to carry the love of God with you. You can fake it. You can be very tolerant of a lot of people, but you can't hold that balance between what is loving the way Jesus loves and being able to help others and to live for him. So here's two important spiritual soul-searching questions to ask ourselves. Do you love Jesus more now than you did in the past? Now, for those of you new believers, you're like, well, of course, two weeks ago, I hated him. <laughs> right? But those of you who've been believers a while, do you love him more now than you did in the past? Now, that's not that easy. I remember when I first became a Christian, man, I just, everybody I met, I'm telling them about Jesus. I thought, like, all of a sudden, I could see. I thought the whole world was Christian, and God was just waiting for me to get on board with the program. And so you got to ask yourself, though, do I love Jesus more than I used to? And by the same token, do you love the church more than you used to? Or is it kind of like, well, you know, I'm really not sure. About 15 years ago, there was a poll, and the poll was for sold-out Christians. So what's a sold-out Christian? Well, back then, they were polling people who went to church virtually every single week. Now, you talk to most pastors today, and they go like, it seems like it's a different congregation every Sunday. You know, people, we're busy people. You know, it's all the fault of cars out in the suburbs, right? You know, cars take you to church, but cars take you away from church, right? And so, so you have these people who go to church every week. They're considered part of the sold-out crowd. They were also people who volunteered to serve in their church. They're part of the sold-out crowd. They're people who gave money to the church, they're part of the sold-out crowd. So they took this poll of these sold-out people, and they asked them why they went to church, and they gave them a whole long list of choices. And one of the choices was this, because I love Jesus. That was one of the choices. Take a guess how many people that was their answer. 11%. That means nine out of 10 people said, I go to a church for a different reason other than I love Jesus. I don't know what they go for. I mean, I know some of you come here for the coffee, but I mean, it's you know, like, what are you doing? Some people said it was for duty, obligation, everybody needs to push in, this is the way I was raised, I want a tax deduction. There's all different kinds of things. But this is, and these are the sold out people. What in the world is that? Perhaps the biggest danger of all is thinking that this doesn't apply to you or this doesn't apply to me or this doesn't apply to our church. You know what this is, Jesus said? These are blind Pharisees leading people into a ditch, not even realizing they're walking into it themselves. The Bible teaches that the church is the bride of Christ. Jesus said he died for the church 
And there's a lot of people out there that say that I live for Jesus and I love Jesus, yet they hate Jesus' wife. They hate his bride. So sometimes you, you get invited to parties, right? So let's just say you just sent me an email that said, um, we're having a party. Some of the couples from the church are coming over. Some singles from the church are coming over. Some of the kids are coming from the church are coming over. Pastor Jim, we'd love to have you to come. Just one thing, don't bring Pam. Now, some of you would go, that would never happen. Pam would get the email that would say, don't bring Jim. <laughs> right? But anyway, you say, please RSVP. It would immediately go back, not coming. Not coming, right? Because we go together. We're a package. Jesus says, don't tell me you love me and you don't love my bride. Don't tell me you don't love me and you don't love my church. Perhaps the Ephesian church had lost their zeal for evangelistic outreach. Perhaps they had lost their, their desire to help a lost and hurting world. Do you know what they are at that point in time? They're a club. They're a club. If we want to come here and we want to learn about Jesus, but we don't want to love each other, it's a club. Or we don't want to love a lost and hurting world, it's a club. That's all it is. Many of us know people that, if you've probably met people over the years, they pride themselves in their love of knowledge. They just want to look smart to other people more than they want to love God or they want to love people. This constant studying of the word of God, which is a, a, a distinctive of the Calvary Chapel movement, okay, is to get us to have more affection for God, is to get us to love God more, is to get us to see our need for God. So how can that be? How can, how can people love knowledge more than they love God? How can they love looking smart more than they love God? And it comes down to this. What the heart wants, the heart pursues. True? That is the truth. What you, want, what you are pursuing the most in your life is what you love the most. Our affections drive our actions. That's why I said to you that the only way for me to stay at this thing is to keep turning my affections towards Jesus. I am much more concerned about my affections being towards Jesus than I am about all the different Bible stuff that I know. When I sit down to study the Bible, I'm like, Lord, turn my affections to you. I don't want to be like this Ephesian church. I love the fact that they're taught well. I love the fact that they know a lot of Bible. I love the fact that they're doing things well, but I don't like the fact that Jesus says, you know, you guys really left your first love. You really don't love like you used to. Until the people of God gain a passion for Jesus and desire a Jesus-style love for people that's found in the word of God, we will not make a dent in this culture. Not a dent. Because here's the problem we have right now. The stuff that is, let's say, anti-Christian in this culture, they are much more passionate about their cause than we are about ours. And that is not good. That is not good. Like the Ephesians, we may grow in knowledge, but not in love. 
And if we grow in knowledge, but not in love, the kingdom of God on earth will not grow. The apostle Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 8.1, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds people up. So you say, well, how do I fix it? How do we fix it? That takes us to number four, the correction. The correction. Let's start with the first half of verse five. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Let's just stop there for one second. Jesus tells them, okay, this is who I am. I'm holding holding the church in my hand. I'm walking around the church. Then he says, hey, this is what I like about your church. Then he tells them, this is what I don't like about your church. And now he's going to correct them. But he doesn't just tell them what's wrong. He gives them the solution. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.